Good afternoon. This is Dr. David. Welcome to episode number 30 of season two of the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast. Um, and this is a very special episode. I've got a special guest who has been here before, uh, who's going to talk uh, with me and with you about a topic that I think is very, very important. It's becoming increasingly more prevalent in our society. Uh, and so those are the topics of learning styles and academic challenges. And of course, that bleeds into the whole topic of ADD, ADHD. So we'll be talking about that today. So I'm really, really excited. Um, uh, my guest today, she has had struggles with learning challenges and different things in the past. She's also, uh, at least when she first came to me, had a lot of symptoms of ADHD. Um, I myself as an MD, I'm very familiar with ADHD. Uh, and I was diagnosed with ADHD during college. Um, and it was, it, it was very interesting because at the time I was diagnosed, I had a 4.0. Um, so it was kind of crazy. It didn't make sense. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, so we'll be talking about ADHD, childhood versions, adult versions, difference between men and women, difference between different ages, um, kind of how the symptoms of, man, of ADHD manifest, some of the causes of ADHD. We'll definitely be talking about some some of the statistics associated with ADHD, and we'll definitely be talking about solutions because the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast is all about solutions um, and finding out why something happens and how it happens and looking at the root cause of it so you can come up with a solution that makes sense, that's holistic and long term, and that doesn't cause harmful effects like some of the common treatments for ADHD. This. Uh, at this time. So welcome back to the Fresh Start with Dr. David podcast. And I'd like to welcome my special guest again, Miss Mela Tezera. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me again, Dr. D. I am so happy for be to be back and talking about a topic that I have been struggling with, um, had so many different solutions for it, but it is a very important thing that it needs to come to a light into into the light um, because um, everyone can actually learn a lot more in depth about ADHD learning disability um, it's not something that to be ashamed of because like you know like you just said you, you had 4.0 when you were diagnosed with ADHD and I myself I was on the same kind of route and school, always getting A's and B's and all of that. And I never thought that I had that until adulting and going through life and things stuck up. So, yeah, so happy for being here and to talk about this today. And I heard through the grapevine that it's a special occasion today. Is that true? It is. What is it? What's the occasion? Today is my birthday. Oh, my God. Congratulations. I, Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you for making your 30th episode my birthday. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> hey, that's how, that's how the world manifests. That's how it works. That's how the law of attraction works. That's how energy works. Yes. So I don't think it's by accident that you're here uh, on your birthday for be. episode number 30. It is. It's, it's the energy. Be. It's things coming together that yes. should Even in a holistic, natural way. Yes, absolutely. So that's so funny because you're here on your 29th birthday on, on the, the episode number 30. Yes. So 30 is just around the corner. So yeah. so before we dive into this, tell me how I can, and the reason why I ask this question is because as you know, I turned a certain number yes. this year. That's yes. why there's a golden rose on my desk. Yes. Um, I and I can recall when I turned 40, mm -hmm. I can also recall when I turned 30. Yes. And I remember all the anxiety associated with turning 30. Yes. Tell me how you feel turning 29. I feel right now, I mm -hmm. feel more so like relieved. Yeah. Um, and the reason that being in my early 20s, I've struggled with anxiety, depression, and all of the negative notions of life and also the environment of life because in my early 20s, I was just doing a lot, a lot of work, a lot of school, a lot of everything. Um, because of that, I was just in a dark place 
But now I'm looking back at those years more so like a learning moment instead of like, oh my gosh, I went through that. I'm never yes. going to think about it kind of stuff. More so like I don't want to go back to that. Right. I'm using that as a stepping stone. And I'm grateful for my early 20s because I learned so much from them. And now sitting here at age 29, I feel more so relief because I have more control over my life than I did when I was younger. Yes. So, um, and also just like building up those tools that help me understand where do I need to go next year. I know that 30 is going to be much better. Yes. Because I am laying down seeds and I'm laying down stones for me to make sure that I grow with everything around me grows with me, not everything around me grows against me. Yes. So. Love the way you worded that. Thank you. And the, that's the thing that I'm constantly putting my faith and my mind on instead of like, oh my gosh, I'm turning another year. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. I haven't gotten to here. I've had, none of us don't know where we're going to go two seconds from now. True. So for me, instead of worrying about it and worrying, oh, I am going to be this age, this age and I don't have X amount of money, X amount of things. Instead of thinking about it that way, just being grateful for health, wealth, and mindset is different. Wealth is not more so like about money, but also what are the things that you can you have that is tangible? Your peace of mind, your calmness, your serenity, like those are the things that like more important and they will add up to money later on. And I just feel like finding different ways to put on your outlook on is a lot more better because um, one thing that I can say for myself as I get older is that um, I can buy an egg sandwich and be happy with that. Um, meaning that I can be happy with every little thing because those little things are going to add up to be a big thing. So just taking every little thing at, one thing at a time. Absolutely. And, and I have to say, um, you know, Gratitude is a great attitude. Absolutely. Gratitude Absolutely. is a great attitude. So Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And, 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 you know, what you kind of alluded to, too, is the concept of being a victor versus being a victim. Yes. And so instead of looking at the things that happened that brought you experience, learning, and wisdom yes. as being a victim, you're looking at it as, hey, that was a learning experience. Yes. That makes me stronger. That makes me who I am today. And that gives me some of my resilience yep. for being greater yep. and growing and becoming stronger into the yes. future. Yes. So I, I love that. Um, I love that. Um, one of the things, so um, I'm going to, you know, first we'll, first we'll dive into ADHD and mm -hmm. some statistics and things like that. I'm not a big statistics person, but I think people expect statistics. Yes. They want to hear some statistics. So we'll definitely share. I'll, we'll go through the, some of these statistics. And then what we'll do is we'll dive into your story, mm -hmm. going back to school, mm -hmm. and then we'll yes. dive into my story. <laughs> yeah. We'll kind of compare them a little bit, yes. and then we'll talk about some of the solutions and some of the common trends with ADHD now and how to how to move forward. Yeah. Yep. So let's start with some of the kind of definitions and things like that, just so everybody's on the same page. So Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, is a neurodevelopmental disorder characterized by difficulty sustaining attention, hyperactivity, impulsivity, or a combination of both. And let me just kind of say uh, this too. When they made the decision to call it ADHD, it doesn't mean that hyperactivity has to be a part of it. Yeah. When they first coined the term ADD and ADHD, they weren't sure whether to call it ADD or ADHD. And they went with ADHD um, for some reason, mm -hmm. but just because somebody has a diagnosis of ADHD doesn't mean they have the hyperactivity component of it. Yeah, There are, and people would only know this, or if they looked it up and did some research, or if they looked in DSM-5, Yeah, uh, but there are multiple subtypes of ADHD. There's, yeah. there's an inattentive type, uh, there's a hyperactive type, there's a whole bunch of types. So just because the diagnosis is ADHD doesn't mean that the person is hyperactive. Absolutely. So that's the first thing. Um, individuals with ADHD often or might struggle 
to resist impulses, to do something, to follow directions, to complete tasks, and remain seated, among other things. Uh, ADHD is usually diagnosed in childhood, but it often lasts into adulthood. In fact, ADHD is among the most common mental conditions in children, with an estimated 6 million children ages 3 to 17 years having been diagnosed, according to the CDC. Um, and there are a lot more statistics on ADHD, some of which I'll go through. Um, so, obviously, uh, the most important thing, according to DSM-5, and, and kind of the field of psychiatry and mental health about ADHD is you look at the history. Yeah. So generally speaking, you look at the history of, of the symptoms, mm -hmm. did they start in childhood, how early did they start, just kind of observing. And, and observing is one of the biggest parts of it. And obviously teachers have a lot of input because they spend a lot of time with your child. Yeah. So they observe what your child does. Um, you know, whether they daydream, whether they finish their work slowly, whether they finish their work quickly and get bored and disturb other children, as I did, um, and things like that. Um, and so there are a lot of different ways. Uh, around six and ten U.S. children with ADHD also have at least one other mental, emotional, or behavioral condition, such as anxiety or depression. And, you know, just from a logical standpoint, that kind of makes sense. If you have trouble with attention compared to your peers and you can sense that, that might make you feel anxious or yeah. it might make you feel depressed. Um, or if you have ADHD and you're hyperactive and that ends up getting you in trouble with other kids or with your parents or your teachers or your impulsivity leads to you doing things that aren't appropriate, then that might make you feel more anxious about your behaviors in the future or it may make you feel depressed about your circumstances because yeah. you might be getting in trouble. Yeah. ADHD is more commonly diagnosed in black, non-Hispanic children, 12% than white children, 10%, or Hispanic children, 8%, or non-Hispanic children, 3%, which would include Asian children, etc. An estimated 77% of U.S. children diagnosed with ADHD receive treatment, while the remaining 23% receive no treatment. Of the children receiving treatment for ADHD, approximately 30, 32% are treated with both medication and behavioral treatment, 30% are treated with medication only, and 15% receive behavioral treatment only and I'll go into this but I'm one of those people who's generally against the use of stimulants uh, to treat uh, children and adults with ADHD and we'll jump into that a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, among states in the United States, Mississippi has the highest prevalence of children currently diagnosed with ADHD at 14.4% while California has the lowest prevalence of children currently diagnosed with ADHD at 5.3% and that's big because Mississippi is three times what California is, yeah. so that should bring out a question, why is that the case, and how is that the case? Within the United States, Louisiana has the highest prevalence of children to ever be diagnosed with ADHD at 16.3%, while California has the lowest prevalence of children to ever be diagnosed with ADHD at 6.1%, and that's almost a triple. So California, or rather... I, should say Louisiana has almost three times the rate of prevalence of ADHD compared to California, and that's pretty noteworthy. Yeah. Uh, an estimated 35 to 78 percent of children diagnosed with ADHD maintain symptoms as an adult. That's really, really important. And that just basically suggests whatever it is that's leading to ADHD symptoms or the manifestation of that diagnosis is lifelong. It doesn't just go away, right? So. To me, that implies that you need to come up with a solution yes. that's going to be long-term, yes. right? And that's another reason why I'm not for stimulants. Yes. Because what are you going to do? Be on Adderall for your entire life or Ritalin for your entire life? Yeah. And um, that's probably not a good thing. Yeah, and that also comes with, like, lifelong issues later on as you get older. So that is another thing. You're going to have to take something else for the problems that that medication is going to give yep. you. Like insomnia, yeah, insomnia, heart racing, yeah, heart problems, blood issues, blood hypertension, yeah, yes. so just like those strokes, things. yeah, wish that that comes through that. So it's just like, is it worth it? Like in your early twenties, early thirties, forties, and like taking those medications, yeah, that's an easy fix, right? Or do you want to get to the root of the problem? That should be the the main focus of like the ADHD. Like, how can you 
live through it, be more functional with it. Absolutely. High school graduates with ADHD tend to earn an average of 17% less annual income than those without ADHD. So it does manifest in your income and your career. Childhood ADHD is associated with an increased risk of death before the age of 46, and that could be for a number of reasons. Um, adult ADHD is associated with a substantial economic burden, contributing an estimated $122.8 billion in total society excess costs due to unemployment, lost productivity, and healthcare services. So it's expensive to have ADHD as an adult. And it's expensive for society and expensive for the people who have it. Um, so how many people have ADHD? Well, an estimated 265,000 U.S. children aged 3 to 5 years have a diagnosis of ADHD. An estimated 2.4 million U.S. children ages 6 to 11 years have been diagnosed with ADHD. So usually, obviously, it takes a few years for it to show up, right? An estimated 3.3 U.S. children ages 12 to 17 years have been diagnosed with ADHD. Mm -hmm. And what that statistic tells us is the longer you live, the more likely you are to be diagnosed with ADHD. Yep. Because you've got 265,000 children around the age of three to five, but you've got 3.3 million once you get 12 to 17, which is adolescence. Approximately 129 million children and adolescents worldwide between the ages of five to 19 years old have been diagnosed with ADHD. And more than 366 million adults worldwide have ADHD as of 2020. Um, individuals with ADHD often experience a myriad of challenges, including difficulty focusing and concentrating, staying organized, managing time, being efficient and productive, and that can have a drastic impact on their daily functioning and lead to long-term problems like academic failure, difficulties in interpersonal relationships, and things like that. Um, so early diagnosis and prevention is really, really important. Uh, so those are some of the statistics associated with ADHD. Um, here's a couple more, though, and then we'll kind of jump into uh, our own stories and then some solutions. The average age for an ADHD diagnosis is seven years old, but children with more severe ADHD are commonly diagnosed at a younger age. And so generally speaking, the younger you're diagnosed with ADHD, the worse the symptoms probably are, right? Yep. And those are the rambunctious kids who yeah. might run out in the middle of the street and get killed if they don't get addressed. Yes. Yes. Or run through a glass window, yeah. patio window, or something or like that. Or, or do something that's dangerous, yeah. right, when they're not really paying attention or monitoring their behavior. Yeah. An estimated 9.8%, almost 6 million, of U.S. children ages 3 to 17 years old have ever been diagnosed with ADHD. That's a, a statistic mm -hmm. that I just read similar to the one I just read a minute ago, compared to 8.7% or over 5 million of U.S. children with a current diagnosis of ADHD. Boys are more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD than girls in the U.S., with approximately 11.9% of boys ages 3 to 17 uh, being diagnosed with ADHD, compared to 5.5% of girls. Uh, and there are a number of reasons for that. Um... And so, and a lot of times, kids who have a diagnosis of ADHD might have trouble with things like reading, with uh, keeping their grades up, with relationships, yes. um, mental health issues, um, you know, uh, socialization with their peers mm -hmm. because of mm -hmm. things that they do in the classroom, things like that. Yeah. And it's important to address. Uh, and I'll kind of end with a few statistics, a few more statistics about adults. An estimated 8.7 million adults in the U.S. have ADHD, approximately 2.6% or 139.8 million of adults worldwide have persistent ADHD from childhood, uh, which includes people who first got diagnosed with ADHD as a child versus those who were uh, diagnosed uh, during adulthood. Yeah. Approximately 6.8% or 366.3 million adults worldwide have symptomatic ADHD, which includes individuals who were diagnosed with ADHD regardless of the age of onset. And then the prevalence of worldwide symptomatic adult ADHD decreases with age. 18 to 24-year-olds contribute to more than 75.5 million cases of symptomatic adult ADHD, while individuals over 60 contribute to about 
6.4 million cases, yeah. which is about half as many. Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of different reasons for that. And I'll just kind of go into one of the big ones. It's because if you think about somebody who's 18 to 24, they're just learning to cope with the world as an adult. They have a lot of responsibilities. They might be in school. They might have just entered the workplace. They've, they may have just started a family. They've got more stress. It yeah. makes sense. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have stress at age 60, but at age 60, life is starting to wind down. Yeah. You're kind of you used to becoming it, being an adult at age 60. You've yeah. been an adult for 30 or 40 years. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. So those are some of the statistics about ADHD. I think those are really, really important. Um, and one of the, you know, I'll just kind of go a little bit into kind of how my practice approaches ADHD, and then we'll go into your story, Maylot, mm -hmm. and then we'll talk a, a little bit about my story. Okay. So one of the approaches, one of the big approaches that I have with ADHD is let's find the root cause of it. Yes. Let's not just treat the symptom. Let's yes. not just medicate a child uh, with a stimulant medication, which carries its own side effects. Let's find out the reason why this kid has ADHD. Yeah. It could be because of diet. Yeah. It could be because of because of stimulation. Mm -hmm. It could be because of the way the environment is set up. And so one of the biggest things that I advocate, not just for myself, but for my clients and for people in general, is with ADHD, change the environment to meet the person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and we'll go into some of the specifics uh, of that, but environment you can change the environment to meet the kid yeah. and every environment doesn't work for every kid mm -mm. uh and i bet your story will tell some of that and i yes. know that mine will so that's the biggest thing i think it's important to find out the root cause look at when adhd symptoms began look at if diet or nutrition are a factor you need certain vitamins and minerals yes. in order for your brain and your nervous system to work correctly yes. uh and then hormones also come into play. Absolutely. So there are a lot of different variables, but at the end of the day, um, my biggest thing is as an MD, my first, my first obligation is to do no harm. Mm -hmm. And my second obligation is to do good. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, in most cases, stimulants actually do more harm than good. Yes. And as you alluded to a few minutes ago, well, where do you go? Yeah. You start off on a, uh, on a dosage of Adderall or Ritalin at this. Yeah. And then you manage your symptoms, and then yeah. you need more and more and more. And the same thing is true with benzodiazepines. If yeah. you take Xanax or Ativan or Librium or um, or uh, Valium for panic attacks and anxiety, yeah. you're yeah. going to need more and more, not more less and less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not going to decrease. It's yeah. going to increase. Yeah. So with that, let's jump into our history. So I'm going to let you start about your story, starting with, you know, childhood yes. and school and those yes. kind of things and then going into you know college mm -hmm. and adulthood and now um if, like I'm, I'm thinking about it and now like i'm trying to stack up everything that i've went through yeah take your time um and when i was young i'm talking about kindergarten to pre-k maybe first grade i changed so many schools okay and um my father have taken me to like different schools to make sure that I'm getting the right treatment. And on top of that, like I had some health issues. Like I, I was a sick kid and I was always in a hospital. Mm. Um, I would stand in the sun. I would come back with like hives. Like those, those were like the things that like constantly was like changing schools, environmental, like, you know, we just talked about was not meeting my requirements that I need. And on top of that, I was a very quiet kid that on top of that, me not, not knowing what I need, and how can I ask for help, that kind of added to um, other learning disabilities that I came to learn. So it wasn't just ADHD. It was, it was environmental, environmental things, too. Yes. And I think that's really, really important. Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, environmental, ADHD, and that kind of alluded into um, dyslexia, too. Mm. So it was stacking up to the point like it was taking me so long to understand subjects um motor skills um writing was an issue for me um i remember i was starting this this um school it was a church school loved it it was a great 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 school but i they weren't giving me what i needed um i needed one-on-one -on -one help mm -hmm. i didn't get that 
I understood the material when they were reading to me and talking to me about it. I couldn't read. So those were the things that I needed help on. And so what age was that? Maybe I want to say age six. Okay. Six. So that's like five, pre- six. Let's say preschool. Grade, yeah. First, preschool, uh, almost, first grade. Yeah, for almost yeah. going to first grade. Okay. I couldn't write the number five. Oh. So it was like motor skills, intellectual skills. It was just so much things that were um, added onto it. And on top of that, not just um, in school, but outside of school, um, you know, certain things used to give me anxiety going down the stairs, going up the stairs. Mm. Um, those were the things that like I constantly needed to come over on. Uh, potty training. Uh, my mom used to tell me that it took me a long time to get potty trained on. Mm-hmm. So... Those are like the key things that as me right now as an adult working, maneuvering through being dyslexic and also having ADHD, maneuvering through those things is becoming more clear and clear that everything that I went through elementary was really, really, really tough for me. Um, But even though I was still getting good grades because I'm listening to what the teacher is teaching and memorization was key for me so I remembered mm-hmm. everything but I couldn't read I couldn't write I couldn't spell so I had to ask my teacher to read the question for me so I can answer it that way I know which one it is so that was the only way that I could I went through I want to say for fifth grade and sixth grade fifth grade sixth grade I came to the U.S. And um, I met with my ESL teacher at And that where did time. you come to the U.S. from, Elon? Ethiopia. Okay. So I was born and raised in Ethiopia. Okay. Came here when I was about 12 years old, 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's I, what, fifth grade? around Fifth, fifth grade, grade. Yeah. going out to sixth grade. Passed um, because of, I was already in ESL, English as a Second Language. Mm-hmm. Um, they read the questions for you. So mm-hmm. I was able to get that. Uh, because of that. Yes, so I was very grateful. They didn't know I needed, I was dyslexic at that right. time. So my elementary school, they were able to read every question for me, every answer for me, and I was able to answer it. So past that, that part, the exit test from the fifth grade to the sixth grade, went to sixth grade in the ESL class. I remember I, the spelling test that we were taking, I was getting, I remember, four, three out of ten. Um, sometimes uh, seven out of a hundred. So I had a good teacher. Her name is, was Miss Wallace. So mm. grateful for her. Funny how people always remember their oh, favorite teachers. Oh my goodness, she they make it such a big saved difference. my life. You can say that yeah. for sure. Yeah. And um, she taught me how to read. I did not know how to read at that time. I was reading at a first grade level as sixth grader. Wow. So it, she taught me how to how. Certain letters make sounds, how to spell, how to um, maneuver through, like, if I can't read this word, how to, like, um, like sound it out. Like, those are the things that I was learning. Right. Luckily, I have <laughs> no shame of <laughs> reading the wrong way in front of people. Right. And um, I had good teachers. Um sixth grade I had really good teachers that worked with me and grateful for all of my teachers I remember their names not just mm-hmm. Ms. Wallace Ms. Warley okay. okay. Mr. Thomas and all of them yeah. but um, I was able to go through that just learning again and again and again it was a practice, practice and was that practice. in Georgia? it was in Georgia okay yes um, and after that high school came middle school high school came now it's more so like I get I have to take more responsibility I didn't have that cushioning of those teachers of, yes with all that yeah, personal one of one yeah yeah so there's more people it's more people um even though I was still in ESL I still I'm still out of my comfort zone so that was slapping a place that the environment change really really shakes you up um and I remember ninth grade um, I told my social studies teacher that I'm going to need extra help. How can I remember the, retaining the information? Um, history is my very weak subject, mm-hmm. retaining information. Mm-hmm. Numbers, like years, names, dates, dates, timelines. Oh, my gosh, horrible. It, 
I yeah. can't see it on my brain like the same way that people see it. Right. It's not linear for me. It's more right. so like jumbled up. Right. So just getting that, talking to my teacher and staying after class, staying after school, making a test. And that, that was the way that I was working through it. And that could work for someone else. And that, that might not work for anyone else, but I had to take my time with it. And also, I used to be so hard on myself of um, not really finishing things the same time as my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I had to be really nice to myself at that time, really like teaching myself. Kind to yourself. Kind, like you're fine, you're doing, you're, go, you're going your own pace. Um, so that happened high school. After high school, college came. And college was just a fun place, I would say so, but intellectually, very hard. Because now it's fully my responsibility to to take everything. So, good enough, I took so much from high school. My teaching style, my learning styles, my studying styles changed. Mm -hmm. Studying in groups, studying with index cards, Mm -hmm. studying with different, like, make sure it's a different color. Like, I, I can remember a color a lot better than word. So just associating those kind of things. Right. Um, and when you have a learning disability, um, no, no more, I don't say it as a disability, more so like as a game. I'm really good in creative ways. I'm right. really good on art. I'm really good in making things beautiful. So it's not a disability, it's, not, it's a disequilibrium in yes, abilities. Yes. So okay. I am more, way better at a certain thing than I am with for other other people. Right. And vice versa, you know. So, um, and I'm, I was shifting my studies towards that. Um, the things that you were good at? Yes. Okay. I was like, I have this, my strength is art. Right. I remember colors. I remember information that had to do with art. Now, how can I sit in chemistry class and, and associate that. Right. that those things right um and just doing those kind of things and i remember i was actually having this conversation with my mom a couple of days ago actually is that so my problem was like reading and writing but math i was excelling right. math was like numbers formulas like i can do that mm-hmm. but um words and remembering spelling reading um, I still struggle to this day. Right. Um, but those were my problem issues. So I was the math whiz. Right. But, the, but the help with, yeah. with reading comprehension and yes. vocabulary yes. and English stuff. Oh my goodness. Horrible. And but the funny thing was that was just I wasn't just having that kind of issues in English, I was also having the same issues in my own language and in my heart. Oh well. So when I was in school back home in Ethiopia Certain things I can't write, certain things I can't read, certain things I, I couldn't do. So it was equally the same problem. Regardless of the language. It, regardless of the so language. So it wasn't the language. It wasn't the language. It was so, just that so, function. Yes. So it was me. Uh-huh. Like. The part of your brain the part that of my needed brain. to process language. Yes. Yes. So it had to, I feel like it hasn't developed that much. But as you grow older, it does develop. But now it's shifting. How can you learn? How can you? How somebody has to teach you a certain way to understand? And I'm really happy that I went through the same thing, like the, all of the stuff that I went through, because now, um, if I had a kid dealing with the same issues, I know how to handle it. Right. And cutting those kind of corners, um, because I helped my my little brother to shift study a certain way, read a certain way, um, when he couldn't read, I'm like, listen, I went through this in sixth grade, I'm going to help you. So just kind of helping him that way, now he goes to Georgia Tech. So yeah. those are the stuff that I will definitely be doing for my kids if that ever happened. But even if they don't even have ADHD, I will definitely teach them a certain way so it will be easier on them instead of, you know, making things harder. So... So you just alluded to something I think is really, really important. Mm-hmm. So one of the statistics that we just went through yeah. about ADHD is how there's a higher prevalence of comorbidities like depression and anxiety. Yes. Um, and that kind of leads me to what I'm going to go into now. 
So it's it's my belief that one of the reasons why there's a higher um, a higher prevalence of things like depression or major depressive disorder mm-hmm. and anxiety, like generalized anxiety disorder and other disorders with ADHD, is because of how it changes the social structure. Yes. Um, yes. So, you know, the whole time that you were just kind of, you know, recounting those different grades. In my mind, as you said all that, I'm thinking, okay, well, how does that affect her relationships with other students? Because mm-hmm. they see that she needs more help, mm-hmm. things like that. How does that affect friendships and things like that? And you even talked about, you know, uh, how you would notice that your friends would finish their yeah. work before. So tell me a little bit about that, how that made you feel in terms of, those yeah. circumstances. So How did you feel? I kind of put myself, yes, like other students were understanding things way far better than me, and I wanted to be that. So, good thing I have this mindset of um, not giving up. And I remember my teacher said, You're not going to quit until you get this right, right? I will do the same thing over and over and over again until I understand it. So, good thing, like I was saying, I have no shame. That's fortitude. (laughs) Um, Yes. That's fortitude. Yes. That's a muscle. So, I have no embarrassing (laughs) thing in my brain. So, if I'm struggling, I will stop on a word that I'm struggling, and I will be like, how do you say this? Like, I don't mind asking. For help. So, I'm that kind of person when I was young, and I'm I'm still the same way. Right. But um, I do remember my friend's understanding going through ex- accelerated classes and you know they're moving to like AP classes IB classes and right. I, I was also in those kind of classes but I I know I was struggling far more than they were because mm-hmm. I wasn't understanding it as fast as they were doing and that was just really messing with me and it kind of played a little bit trick on my self-esteem um really I felt like I was I should have been in those kind of classes because I'm I wasn't good enough. Um, those kind of like thoughts do trickle in mm-hmm. because when you're just sitting there trying to understand this information that has been given to you, that and everybody's like, oh, I know the answer, I know this, and you just like, okay, I feel defeated, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um, but once I got the groove, I was. I was that person, like, oh, me, me, me. Like, you know, I know that, like, I was the most of the teacher's friend. So, like, getting to that, almost getting to that part really just makes you feel alone because they, they don't understand it because they don't yeah, face the same issues that right, you're facing. Right, they haven't walked in your shoes. Absolutely. And good enough, I had good friends that helped me out. And I was, I was blessed with that. Um, I didn't really really experienced that much of bullying when it came to like my learning disability and also because of not a lot of people knew about it and they didn't understand it either so yeah i kind of went under the radar right but also just thinking like i was also protective of myself right but also having the mindset of like oh i gotta get this done right and i gotta be better i gotta work at it i gotta do it again and again again so basically, having that kind of mindset really did help. Gotcha. Me out. Yeah. Gotcha. So let me share a little bit, kind of, about my kind of developmental history. So, um, I was born prematurely by almost two months. I don't know if that affected anything or not, um, but um, I did. And um, anyway, uh, when I started like first grade um, preschool and first grade and things like that, we lived in Chicago. I went to uh, a Lutheran private school uh, that was primarily white, uh, and I did well. Uh, I do remember a couple times getting in trouble because I talked when the teacher left and things like that, but, you know, I excelled, uh, and I think every report card that I had in preschool um, and first grade were basically like, David's a very, very bright child, uh, but, you know, he talks a lot, those kind of things. Um, when my family moved to Arkansas and I started the second grade and third grade, um, it was tough because I got picked on. Mm -hmm. And so I went to a school where my mother was a teacher Mm -hmm. and it wasn't in the same neighborhood where we lived. Mm -hmm. So it was one of the poorest schools in the district. And I was just, you know, different. We just moved there from Chicago. 
Uh, and not only was I, I think bored in the classroom, uh, because probably because the school system that I went to was harder or yeah. tougher than the one in Arkansas, but then I was getting picked on too. Uh, and, and that made it really, really tough. I just didn't feel like I fit in there. Uh, I think I hated it in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I felt like a prisoner. Yeah. Um, and the kids were very different from me. They would steal my stuff. They mm-hmm. stole my lunchbox. They stole my clothes. They stole everything. So it was just not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the classroom, I did really well. I remember there was some standardized tests that we had to take. And me and one other young lady who was in the same class with me, we scored the highest uh, in the school. Um, I had a pretty high IQ. I would finish my work before everybody else and get bored and, and bother other people or look around. I can remember when I was in, uh, I can specifically remember when I was in first grade, how I would finish my work and I would either bother other people and talk to them yeah. or stare out the window in a yeah. space, like yeah. which is kind of like the inattentive type of ADHD. Yeah. So I wasn't necessarily hyper, but I would, I was bored. Yeah. Right. Um, when I got to fourth grade, um, you know, I did well. Uh, I wasn't disruptive, I don't think. Fifth and sixth grade, I did really, really well. I mean, I had st- straight A's through most of those grades. Uh, but in fifth and sixth grade, I think I got bored mm-hmm. a lot. Even when I didn't finish my work before everybody else, I would just kind of lose attention, right? Yeah. And yeah. I would bother other people. Yeah. And I even remember when, and the funny thing is, my mom was the principal of the school I was at in fifth and sixth grade. So it was really weird for me because I always kind of felt like the teachers were looking to see if I would do something wrong so they could go back and tell my mom and the kids would start stuff with me just to see if I would get in trouble with yeah. my mom and things like that. So it was tough in that way. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of always felt like I was being watched or under the microscope for every little thing I did. But I still did good. I started to have problems um, probably in the seventh grade, middle school. Um and specifically, I remember there was a class that, it was a mathematics class, mm-hmm. and we had a hard teacher named Mrs. Noblet, and I remember I didn't like her. She would curse at us, and that was something that I wasn't used to in the South, and she, I think she was from up north or Midwest or somewhere, but she would curse at us. She would say curse words, and we reported her, uh, and I remember every single time uh, uh, I would have a report card, it would always be like 84 point this. It would be just underneath that mm. grade. And I was just like, you know, and I had other teachers like that, too. And I kind of felt like race was a factor, too, in in some of those situations. Because I'd never gotten, you know, 84.9 just below a B if you had to have 85 to to get a B. Yeah. Things like that started to happen. So, um, you know, um, I think because of that, I started to get discouraged. The other thing that was going on, I think, at that point, which I think made a big difference, too, is that's kind of the time when you start doing other stuff, right? And I think during that whole time, I played sports and other things like that and played piano and took all these lessons. So all these things were kind of competing for my attention in seventh grade. Eighth and ninth grade, I did, I think I I struggled. Uh, And I think part of it was I think I struggled socially. I didn't really feel like I knew where I fit in, what my identity was at school. That's around the time that kids start to separate based off of race and class. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I didn't really know where I fit in. Yeah. Uh, most of my friends were white. Uh, and I just, you know, it was just a really weird thing. And um, and I struggled with some subjects, but not with others. In high school, it, it depended on the subject. So I struggled with some things in high school, but I think I was just kind of absent. I, I think I was kind of focused on... Um, I was focused on fitting in and things like that more so than school. I just really don't think. I, yeah. I was in a bad, dark place and, in high school, and I was actually suicidal at, at some points during high school. Uh, but school was the last thing I was really worried about until yeah. it was time to graduate. Yeah. And all of a sudden, that became important. Luckily, even though my grades weren't the greatest in high school, my ACT score was really good. Mm-hmm. And so that made a big difference uh and i didn't even study for the act at all i didn't do any prep i didn't do anything i just took the test and did really really well uh specifically on the verbal reasoning part so that's where you were weak but i was really strong in that i think i think i scored like a 32 and the verbal reasoning part or whatever just a really high score uh and other stuff was just kind of average college was different college 
is when I got diagnosed with ADHD. And like I said, I had a 4.0 at the time I was diagnosed with ADHD. And it was when I, um, it was when I, I got diagnosed when I went to the library. I would, I learned that I had to find a quiet space. So that's one of the things that I learned in college. I had to have a quiet environment without distractions in other order to study. And I had headphones. I had all kinds of things to block out noises and stuff like that. So that's one of the things I learned in college. The other thing is, though, is there was a period of time, and this is one of the things that I think is really, really important to get to the root cause of ADHD, is when I worked full-time all through college, mm -hmm. I think, and I would go to the library to study, yeah. and I would read the same page over and over and over and over, yes. and it's like my focus just wasn't there. Yeah. I wouldn't remember a single word, not yeah. one word. Yeah. And I talked to my teacher about it. Uh, and they recommended that I go to a doctor. I went to a psychiatrist uh, and a psychologist. They diagnosed, both diagnosed me with ADHD and put me on stimulants. Yeah. And those helped uh, with focus. But the funny thing about it is before I got put on stimulants, I would go to the gas station and see these things called mini bins. Mm -hmm. And they were these things that would be like, oh, increases alertness and focus. I guess truck drivers would use them. Yeah. That's why they were at, at, at uh, gas stations. Yeah. And I would use those, and I was like, oh, my God, my focus is great. Yeah. And they, I think they had pseudoephedrine or something like that in mm -hmm. it. But the point that I'm making, though, at least with this part, is that when I got diagnosed with ADHD, it was during a time period when I had a lot of obligations, a lot of stressors. I was yes. working full time. I was taking hard classes, pre-med, pre-law classes, and that's when it really manifested. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. And I think um, stress can cause any number of things. It can cause Absolutely. ADD depression, anxiety, yes. panic symptoms, all those kind of things. How we respond to stress and how many stressors we have going on in our lives, how many things that are competing for our attention yeah. and our focus and our productivity. Yeah. And then in medical school, um, I was it was kind of the same thing. And it wasn't just me. A lot of other people had to find a quiet place away yeah. from everyone else, everyone else yeah. and that kind of thing. And that made a big difference. The other thing that I think made a big difference is the way that I studied. Mm -hmm. I, I altered the way that I studied when I was younger, I never had to study a certain way. I used yeah. to win spelling bees. Um, but I didn't alter the way that I studied. Yeah. But when I got to high school, I started, well, actually more college than anything. I had to alter the way that I studied. Yeah. I would use mnemonics. And then especially yeah. in, in medical school, yeah. I would use I other ways to remember things just because the volume of information yeah. was so much. And so... I think it's important for people to realize that anything and everything can cause ADHD. Absolutely. One of the other things that I did in college, too, is I read a lot about ADHD, so I became informed about it. And so I tried to change my diet. I tried to eat more salmon yeah. and fish and yeah. stay away from soft drinks yes. and stay away from diet drinks and stay away from a lot of additives and things like that. Yep. And I felt like that made a big difference. Um, so that's kind of my story with ADHD. Do I still suffer with some ADHD symptoms? Absolutely. But like most adults, I manage them mm -hmm. using my environment. Yes. And so when I need to get certain things d done, I need to come to the office. Yeah. I'm not going to work from home. Some people work from home and they get things done. I don't. It's, I need an environment that forces me to focus on yeah. what's straight ahead of me. And even yeah. then, I have to redirect my energy yeah. and my attention sometimes. Yeah. Um, that kind of brings us to solutions. So the most important thing about this podcast is coming up with solutions. Absolutely. Right? Uh, and I think both of us, in our own ways, became resilient by coming up with solutions that worked for us. Yes. Tell me about some of the things that you did. You mentioned some of them about note cards and mm -hmm. studying with friends and things like that. Some yes. of the same things that I did, yeah. too. But is there anything else that you did that helped you in Absolutely. terms of getting past ADHD symptoms and Absolutely. focusing and concentrating? Absolutely. Um, putting myself on... Um, putting myself on a strict schedule. Structure, structure, structure. <laughs> I would say three times. Structure. <laughs> it is very, very, very important. Yes. Um, because when I wake up, I have to wake up a certain way. When I go to sleep, I have to go to sleep a certain way. Yeah, okay. Uh, between that, um, work... Other stuff I have to do, it has to have its own time. It has to have a designated spot for it. It has to have, like, its own shelf, everything. 
organization, routine, structure are the main thing that I have been working on. Because especially when you're like dealing with ADHD, the organization is very hard to manage. Yes. So sticky notes, calendars, yes. <laughs> phone calls, post it notes, to do lists, journals, reminders, yes. alarms. Oh my gosh, so many alarms. Organization. Organization. Planning. Yes. And um and one thing that really helped me is that I don't just plan my day. I don't just plan my week. I plan my whole year. Mm. Um all the way down to the times that like, hey, this is this is the week that, you know, wash hair day. Co wash hair day. Uh, go get uh, groceries. Like everything have to have things. Um, I have to have a place. I have to have a name for it. Everything ha has to have its own time. So just doing things like that. One thing that really I learned about that is more so like I feel more calm. I feel like it's more tangible, even though it is insane that you know <laughs> I have to. <laughs> Put in a calendar to relax. Right, right. <laughs> you know, right. It's insane, but it's a sign I, of the times. I have to do it. You know, I have to do it. You know, um, go to sleep at a certain amount of time. Not four in the morning. Wake at eight in the morning. That's not. That's not where you need to do. It. Like I have to force myself to go to sleep early. Like I have to learn how to do that. Um, because um, the extra energy that you get during the night as a being an ADHD person is insane. I'm like, where was this energy when I needed it during the day? So True. just like, just kind of shifting that. Um, another thing is diet, exercise. Mm -hmm. Two top things. Yeah. Um, exercise kind of helps you get off, get all that extra energy that you don't need. Um, kind of put it somewhere else. Can go towards your health. Um, and also, um, and diet, like you said, nutrition. Um, Checking up on what are you low on. I am anemic, so I have to make sure my iron, my vitamin D, my B12 is up to part. Um, if not, I do experience um, symptoms of depression, anxiety, um, just being out of, literally out of my own body. Um, so those are the main things that I have to keep up with. Um, and on top of that, not just being anemic, but I am anemic in a certain way called a folate. Um, am I saying it right? Folate. Folate, mm -hmm. yes. Or folic acid. Folic Same acid. thing. Um, so I have to make sure I'm taking and eating certain things to help that. Um, because uh, as my doctor talked about it, my blood cells are not circled, they're oval. So I have yeah. to exercise to get more energy, to get more um, oxygen on my body. Um, Hemoglobin. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have to make sure that um, it's great. Um, on top of that, that also what it causes is if you don't take care of that part, is that you start getting other um, health issues. Diabetes um, and high blood pressure, they come from that. And I feel like not even just taking the um, Adderall and other medications for it, um, it also comes from um, the anxiety, the depression, the stress that you don't understand where it's coming from because of ADHD uh, manifests as um, other health issues. So by having those routines planned, working out, eating, planning, organizing, takes stress off when, when you're organized. Um, you take time for yourself when you're more planning things ahead of time. So you don't have to worry about what am I going to do today? What am I going to do a month from now, a year from now? So it's kind of that pressure is off of you. Um, and when you're exercising, eating better, you staying healthy and also helping the main cause of it. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people suffer ADHD in a certain amount. And not 100%, maybe 5%. Um, it's part of us at this point. Absolutely. Right? Um, our environment is making us more ADHD prone because of like everything that we see every day. Like you're compounded with uh, like with stimulant. Absolutely, stimulating content. 
yeah, everywhere. Everywhere, and our attention span is becoming shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. So we have to put those kind of things in place. Um, you know, when I say like go exercise and stuff like that, I'm not saying go out there and lift 100 pounds. Go out there and walk. Just take that time to treat yourself. So just doing those things, I absolutely feel much better. Yeah. Awesome. So let me go through my list. Mm -hmm. So I've got a long list of things. I'm going to just kind of go through them. Go These it. are things that I think that are helpful with ADHD and things that you got to keep in mind, whether you're a child or an adult. But I'll give some pearls about children and also give some pearls about adults. And mm -hmm. obviously, uh, it's my strong belief that if you have, if you're an adult with ADHD symptoms or if you have a child who's developing ADHD symptoms, yeah. come to my office so we can figure it out. Yes. Right. And if you yeah. need a referral to somewhere else. Uh, I can facilitate that, but let's get to the root cause of why it's happening. But let me go down that list. So number one, nutrition. You've got to have nutrition, right? That includes vitamins, minerals, things like that. Yeah. If you or your family or your kid are just consuming fast food and things mm -hmm. that aren't nutritious, then it shouldn't be surprised that you might have some ADD symptoms, yes. right? You've got to have the building blocks of who you are as a person, Absolutely. and that's nutrients. Absolutely. Vegetables, fruits, uh the food groups, all those kind of things. And you can read about those and understand them in my book, The Nutrient Diet, which is on Amazon. A wonderful um, book, by the way. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. So that's one thing. You've got to have the building blocks. That's number one. If you don't have the building blocks of those neurotransmitters and hormones in your body that make your body work right and your brain and mind work right, they're not going to work right. It Absolutely. won't be. It shouldn't be uh, a shock. Yeah. If you don't, if your car doesn't have a battery, if yeah. it doesn't have fuel, yeah. if it doesn't have oil and lubrication, if it doesn't have tires, if it doesn't have this and that, it's not going to work, yeah. right? Same thing with the human body. So that's number one. Number two is stress. Stress is one of the biggest things that causes everything yes. from cancer to ADHD yes. to depression to yes. anxiety to everything else. If you have a very stressful life or a stressful environment, don't be surprised if ADD doesn't show up. Absolutely. So that means you have to mitigate stress. You have to ask for help. You have to manage stress. You have to exercise. You have to do things, uh, take a break, have extracurricular activities, engage in a sport, do things that dissipate stress and limit yeah. stress. That's number two. Number three is you always have to look at the environment. Certain environments, especially the world that we live in now, are not meant for concentration. It's not. Social media, electronics, devices, tablets, phones, things like that. Um, you need to limit your, your, your time that's focused and given to the internet, mm -hmm. to social media platforms. All those things are totally made to take away your attention and yes. distract you from the things that you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so you've got to make sure that you're watching uh, technology and use of things like that. The next thing is also environment, and that's the place where you do things, right? Like I just said, I cannot work from home. It yes. just doesn't work for me. I've got to be at my office. I yeah. need my office environment, the structure, like you said, yeah. of it to make things work. Yeah. Some people can. Some people can work. They can be in their living room watching TV and work. I can't do that. You so you've got to find a structure that works for you, and that may change as you age. Yeah. The structure that you need in second grade may be different from the structure you need in fifth grade or eighth grade or tenth grade, right? Absolutely. And that includes in the classroom. Absolutely. If you have a classroom that's disruptive or distracting to you, it's going to be tough. Yes. So every classroom does not work for every kid. So environment is so important. The next thing I'll say is, is things like music. There are things, there's a Mozart effect. There are things that help with focus and attention. Yes. I sometimes listen to classic music, classical music in the background. I also will listen to you know, subliminal audios, ocean waves, uh, calming things that help me focus. That's a really big thing. So, and, and vice versa, some people may need an environment with no sound at all. Mm -hmm. They need a quiet room. They can't focus and concentrate or take a test yeah. if they hear a bunch of papers rattling yeah. and people sighing and moving around. I knew I was like that when I took my medical boards. Yeah. Uh, I would take a, a, you know, a medical board and there would be people taking a practice test, banging their hands against the desk. It would disrupt me, but can't do anything about it. Yeah. So environment makes a big difference. Um, the next thing that I'd probably go to is the use of things, like you said, planning. Planning and organizing makes such a big difference. If you have ADHD symptoms, you've got to plan things out. Absolutely. Your day, your time, all those kind of things. They're not going to automatically come together, especially 
as you get older and you have more responsibilities. Yes. So that means you've got to have to-do lists. You've got to use post-it notes. You've got to have a calendar system. You've got to have alarms, things like that. The next thing is sleep. Sleep is so important. We spend a third of our life sleeping. Yes. If you don't get the sleep you need and the oh sleep God. at the right time, then you're not going to be able to focus and concentrate and be attentive the next day. No. That's when your brain and your body recovers and re-energizes and reinvigorates and all those kind of things. And so you've got to get your sleep. And that means, that doesn't mean that you get seven hours of sleep from one a.m. in the morning mm -hmm. to 8 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. That means you need to get asleep and in bed by 9, 9.30 yes. and then wake up seven or eight hours later. Yes. When you jump in your sleep window is very important. And I wrote a chapter about that in my first self-improvement book, Sweet Potato Pie for the Spirit, Soul, and Psyche. Mm -hmm. Chapter two is all about your sleep. So you've got to have your sleep yes. ordered. If your sleep is disordered, you're going to end up with depression, anxiety, uh, and ADHD-type symptoms. Um, the next couple of things are sunlight. Sunlight is very important. You need vitamin D. In order for your body to right, work right, you've got to get vitamin D. And yes. that's not vitamin D necessarily uh, from milk, but from the sun. Yeah. That's why exercise and things like that are important. Walking yes. out in the sun, things like that. Um, so that's really, really important. Uh, the next couple of things that I think are important is how you study. Mm -hmm. So if you're a student, you need to study a certain way. Mm -hmm. What works for one person does not work for other people. You know, you might study alone and then need to study in a group. Yes. Question each other. Yes. Uh, test each other. Yes. The best way, and I learned this in medical school mostly, but you've got to do constant questions that are similar to the questions that you're going to have on your exam. If you don't, Absolutely. you're going to be caught off guard. You're going to feel anxious, things like that. And test anxiety is a real thing. Yeah. And so you've got to prepare correctly. That means having other people to test you on things. That means using note cards. That means using mnemonics. Don't overuse highlighters. If you overuse, oh, yeah. if you highlight everything, you're not learning anything. No. If you highlight one word here and there, that's one thing. But if you're highlighting everything, you're really not learning at all. You're just tricking yourself. You're wasting time. So that's a big thing. The other thing, too, is, uh, and this is kind of, uh, intuitive, I think, but pursue things that you actually enjoy and love. It's going to be hard for you to focus on something. If you're a, if you're pre-med and your true passions lie in publishing or writing or history or some other discipline, you need to switch, yes, right? I you're going to, and even if you achieve your goal of getting in medical school and become a doctor, you're going to be miserable. You're going to yes. hate it, right? You don't want to be miserable for the rest of your life. Choose something that's in line with your purpose who you are, what you enjoy. Now, that doesn't mean it can't be challenging. Yeah. You know, you can be challenged, but yeah. don't pick something that you hate. Mm -hmm. That's going to be miserable, and you're going to have ADD symptoms. You're not going to be oh. able to focus on something you don't like. And probably the last thing that I would say is just kind of your mental energy, being in the right place, meditating, feeling calm, mm -hmm. things like that. That makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. uh, being Having a support system around you organizing, structure, those kind of things, making, making sure that you feel balanced. If you yeah. don't feel balanced as a person, it's going to be hard for you to be attentive, to concentrate, focus, and things like that. Yeah. So yeah. those are my, that's kind of my top 10 list of ADHD things. Please don't just put your kid on a stimulant. Please no. don't just go on Vyvanse or Adderall or Ritalin. It's an easy solution. Trust me. I know. I was there. Yeah. I was on Adderall for about 15 years, yeah. and that's probably one of the reasons why I developed hypertension at age 30. Yeah. Um, those drugs, whether you're talking about, uh, you know, Wagovi for people trying to lose weight the easy way, or if you're talking about people taking a stimulant like Vyvanse or Adderall or Ritalin or something like that, trust me, if it's an easy solution, yeah. it's got a price to pay on the yeah. back end. And yeah. if you're talking about prescription stimulants, You've got kidney problems yes. in the future yes. and hypertension yes. heart and issues. heart problems and all kinds of things. And here's the thing. It's a temporary solution. It's yes. going to make it worse. You're going to develop dependence. Yeah. You're going to develop a tolerance. Yeah. You're going to need more and more. And it's addictive. Absolutely. So it's not making anything better. It's just digging you further in the hole. And that's true if you're talking about using diabetic drugs for type 2 diabetes in order to lose weight, if you're talking about oh using stimulants <laughs> for ADHD, or if you're talking about using benzodiazepine like Xanax for yeah. anxiety, trust me, if you get to the root cause of the problem, 
you do the work the hard way, yes. foundational yes. way, you're going to have better outcomes. And like I said, this is all about solutions. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad that I didn't take any, you know, any stimulants. Um, and I might, you know, meeting you too, that really helped me a lot in my adult years. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that I went through everything that I went through. Um, in school, outside of school, um, life in general, because now I know how to maneuver out of a certain thing way easier than me just sitting here and contemplating it, you know? Um, so just doing those kind of things kind of put my mind, you know, at ease. Yeah, and I'm glad that I didn't take the medications, but also I have to make sure that I'm keeping up with my health. You know, absolutely. Um, not, it's not just you know, like the the medication is like, the, like you said, it's, it's the main cause of like health issues later on, but also just um, addressing the issue is the the whole thing, right? Digging through the crack, seeing where's the foundation that's lacking, and fixing that and putting the cement on is much better than putting a bandaid on a big crack. Yeah, and one of the big things that I'll kind of end with is this, is the concept of individuality. We're yeah. all individuals. One of the things that I think, you know, is, is you know, we have, we have a system for everything. And yeah. we put everybody through the same system and treat everybody yeah. the same. And we're not the same. We're not. And I encourage a lot of my clients with ADHD symptoms, start your own business. Start yeah. your own company. Um, people usually who have a disability in one area or imbalance in one area, usually have a plus somewhere else. Absolutely. They might have trouble with focusing and concentration, but they might be a whiz at math, or they might be a whiz at this, or things like that. And so consider doing things outside the box and not following the train that everybody else is yeah. doing. Uh, and that's true with learning, too. Yes. Uh, whether you're talking about learning algebra or yes. trigonometry or calculus or whatever else. So just consider that... the. The more that we try to place everybody in the same box and put everybody through a factory, the more people we're going to have that that's not going to yeah. work for. It just yeah. doesn't work. That's a shortcut, yeah. just like stimulants and pills and things like that. So mm -hmm. with that, I'm going to wrap up. Thank you so much for coming here and being a guest on your birthday, Melot. Thank I'm you for having me. Yeah. I am so happy for being here. And really, I feel like I celebrated my birthday in a great way. Awesome. You did. Yeah. Absolutely. And and what you've said and what you've shared is going to help out a lot of people. Uh -huh. So with that, I'm going to end. Uh, definitely check out, um, check out my website. If you've got ADHD symptoms or you know somebody who does, feel free. Please check out my practice website. It's www.atlantacoaching.com www.mlcoga.com if you need help with a particular issue and you don't necessarily want to come in for coaching uh, in person you can also sign up for my program Life Advice 360 which provides you with life coaching life advice and life recommendations yes. over the phone by email yes. and other methods so definitely check that out uh, and you know basically make sure that you're taking care of yourself right yes. a daily multivitamin things like that and if you have a problem ask for help so with that I'm gonna wrap up thank you so much me lot thank, thank you, you everybody for tuning in today uh, this is episode number 30 and I will see you on episode number 31 take bye. care bye bye